DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents Begin Again, The Spiritual Legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University, and he has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teachings about the spiritual life. Father Gallagher is the author of several books published by the Crossroads Publishing Company on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series, Living the Discerning Life, the Spiritual Teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Begin again. The Spiritual Legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We continue our conversation on the teachings of Venerable Lanteri concerning our interior dispositions as we enter into the celebration of the Mass. At this point, Father Gallagher begins our discussion on the Liturgy of the Word. Now what follows after the opening prayer or the collect is the Liturgy of the Word or the readings from Scripture. On the Sunday, the uh, first reading, Psalm, second reading, the song before the gospel, and then the gospel itself. And on a weekday Mass, the first reading, the psalm, the Alleluia verse, and then the, the, the gospel. In Venerable Antares' time, these readings were called the epistle and the gospel. We simply speak of the first reading or second reading. Uh, but what he has in mind here are the points in which the scriptural readings in the Mass are being proclaimed and invites us at that point in the Mass to have what he calls the, the stirrings of, of the heart of a disciple. Now the image there would be, let's say Jesus on the, um, the mount overlooking the Sea of Galilee, Sermon on the Mount, and the crowds of the people come and gather around him. It's says depicted nicely in the various um, movies of the life of Jesus. And Jesus seated in their midst and teaching them. Uh, we read in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus is doing this elsewhere in the temple, and, and the people hang on his words. Or when Jesus is standing by the, the shore of the Lake of Galilee, and the crowds press upon him, and he teaches them so much, press upon him so much so that he actually has to get into the boat in the intensity of their desire to hear words they've never heard before, life-changing words, words that just open up an entirely new hope and meaning and perspective and vision of life, which are like water in the desert, which bring meaning where there was confusion, which transform hearts. And so the people press upon him to, to hear these words. Now, this is just the church's understanding of what's taking place in the liturgy of the words. That's exactly what's taking place during the liturgy of the word. That, as the, as the church tells us, it, God is again in his midst. The Lord is again in the midst of his people. God is again in the midst of his people. The Lord is again in the midst of his people, teaching them, proclaiming his word. And so Venerable Antares says, as we listen to a first reading, a second reading, a gospel, that we are invited to have the disposition of heart of a disciple, like one of these people who maybe traveled long distances, gave up food and underwent the rigors of travel, 
and were exposed to the elements, but would not leave because they were so hungry and thirsty to hear the words of this man. That that be the grace that we ask of the Lord, that that we be allowed to share in that space of the heart as the readings are being proclaimed, so that maybe the reader proclaims the reading clearly and it's easy to listen. Maybe sometimes the microphone system isn't perfect and there are other noises going on around us and there's some effort to be attentive. Maybe sometimes we don't even understand everything in an Old Testament reading, but we're aware of what's happening. We're aware that the Lord is again in our midst and through the person of the reader, the priest or deacon, if it's the gospel, and through the medium of the microphone system and all the rest that's happening in a very privileged way, we are seated at the feet of the Lord, who is again speaking the words of life to us. To whom else shall we go? You, you're the only one. You have the words of life. Now what would happen if we listened to the readings like that, with that kind of hunger and thirst and desire to hear the word of the Lord to me right now at this point in my life, when I'm dealing with this situation in my life, with these things that I, I, I'm so, so, so happy about, with these things that are so hard for me, with these fears and anxieties, with these physical burdens, with these issues in the family or in the workplace. So I'll just take today's Mass again. The first reading is from the prophet Hosea in the Old Testament. Thus says the Lord, when Israel was a child, I loved him. This is God's people in the Old Testament. Out of Egypt I called my people my son. I drew them with human cords, with bands of love. I fostered them like one who raises an infant to his cheeks. What if I really let my heart hear that like a disciple? Hearing the Lord speak of an amazing kind of love, which is I'm reminded now, as I say this, of a woman telling me of her first child. And she was in a room adjacent to where the child was, and her husband, who was not a man who easily expressed emotion or feelings, had picked up this little baby and was holding it and was just softly saying to him, You are my little lamb. You are my little lamb. And uh, she never forgot that. It revealed to her a side of her husband that, precious. What if we could hear through a reading like this in a time of struggle or anxiety or uncertainty that this is what God wants us to know. When Israel was a child, I loved him. I, I raised him like an, you raise an infant to your cheek. And then the gospel for today's Mass is from Matthew 10. The sending of the disciples out two by two to proclaim the kingdom as you go make this proclamation, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do not take gold or silver or copper. Live with a certain simplicity so that you can be the messenger of the Lord in the world. Um, whatever town you enter and so on. And what if I could hear that as a disciple? And it reminded me today as I'm at daily mass or at Sunday mass that that I'm called by Jesus to be one whose life proclaims the gospel in the family, in marriage, where I live, in the workplace, in the parish in which I, I, to which I belong and in which I participate. 
And I could hear this from the Lord as the disciples seated at his feet when those words were first proclaimed. I, I send you out too, not to go to the third world or to leave your family and your workplace, but right there. I'm sending you out to be a presence that proclaims that the kingdom is at hand, that healing is possible, that God has come, come very near to us. That's what, what Venerable Ann Terry is inviting us to do as we listen to the readings in the Mass, is to be there with the heart of a disciple, ready, open, listening, ready to be guided, ready to be shaped, ready to be enlightened, ready to be loved most deeply through those readings. I think a, a really important part of all that is in the very beginning of this reflection on the Liturgy of the Word, you asked us to ask for the grace. And there's something about that, isn't there? Asking the Lord to help us prepare ourselves because there are times if we try to do it ourselves, and we do, if we have kids or we have the concerns of the world or whatever, and we, we're going to sit and we're going to listen. That element is so vital, isn't it? I mean, to ask for that grace. I would say absolutely yes, because all prayer is most deeply a gift. It's not something that we can do. God is the protagonist, and our position is that of the one who receives um, a gift. But we are asked to ask for the gift. That is our part. And we have a promise, ask and you will receive. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do. So that's the first thing I would say, yes. These are graces, and as such, they are gifts. And since they are gifts, they are something that, that we ask for humbly, but with great confidence. If you you know know how to give your children good things when they ask, how much more will your Heavenly Father, and so on. Second thing I would say to that, though, is that part of the asking of that gift, I think, is preparation. There's a line in um, the, this wonderful theologian, Romano Guardini, when he's writing about prayer, and indicates that the quality of the prayer depends very essentially on the preparation for prayer, because there's a deep place in our heart has to be made available to God. And it's not a place that is readily available in the press of daily activity. So that a preparation that allows that place to become quieted and available to the Lord has much to say about what's going to happen in the prayer. So I don't think we can, grace can strike at any moment. You know, there are just no limits to what God can do. But as always, we're invited to use St. Ignatius's word to dispose our hearts to receive the gift of prayer. So that some preparation, if it's possible, for example, um, outside of Mass, just to go through these, these various uh, dispositions of heart that Venerable Anteri is describing, so that they're right there as the Mass is unfolding. Or even in a few quiet moments, if we have them, you know, if the children are not uh, squirmy and, and all the rest, and we can get there a few minutes ahead of time to let our hearts be calm and prepared for this, then the moment will actually come much more easily. The, the prayer of this kind will come much more easily in the Mass itself. So yes, above all, prayer is to be uh, asked for as a gift. And preparation can make a great difference in how we actually assist at Mass. We'll return to Begin Again with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment.
Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, or Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. A prayer for the intercession of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. O Father, fountain of all life and holiness, you gave Father Bruno Lanteri great faith in Christ your Son, a lively hope, and an act of love for the salvation of his brethren. You made him a prophet of your word and a witness to your mercy. He had a tender love for Mary and by his very life he taught fidelity to the church. Father, hear the prayer of your family, and through the intercession of Father Lanteri, grant us the grace for which we now ask. May he be glorified on earth, that we may give you greater praise. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. We now return to Begin Again with Father Timothy Gallagher. Having received that word into our hearts, that the next portion of this, I think, is that is so important, and that's when we proclaim the creed. Yes, as we classically call it, the credo, or the, uh, the I believe in God. So the readings have finished. The homily is complete. And now we profess our faith. Nourished by the the word of the Lord, we profess our faith. We stand together and together say, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man for our sake, was crucified, ascended into heaven, will come again in glory. I believe in the Holy Spirit, one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I look forward to the resurrection of in the world to come. Uh, so on. 
Now, Venerable Lanteri's suggestion here is that we pray the creed or the profession of faith with the disposition of heart of the martyrs. And this is a striking thing. This is something that um, I think about when we uh, pray this profession of faith. Now, I I think a way to, to present that is to quote a few lines from this is from the Acts of the Martyrdom of St. Justin and his Companions. And this is in the mid-2nd century under one of the um, cruel persecutions under the uh, under Marcus Aurelius, this particular persecution. And this is St. Justin Martyr. He was a philosopher. He was converted to Christianity, wrote a number of, of works, uh, some of which we still have today, and then was martyred in this particular persecution. Now, I'll read a few lines. This is the Roman prefect, Rusticus. Rusticus said, so Justin is here with his companions before him, and this is the point at which either they worship the Roman gods or they're going to be tortured and put to death. So everything is on the line at this point. Rusticus said, you are a Christian then. Justin said, yes, I am a Christian. The prefect said to Justin, You are called a learned man, and think you know what is true teaching. Listen, if you were scourged and beheaded, are you convinced that you would go up to heaven? And Justin answers him, I hope that I shall enter God's house if I suffer in that way. For I know that God's favor is stored up until the end of the whole world for all who have lived good lives. And the discussion goes on a bit more, and finally now the the prefect becomes impatient. The prefect Rusticus said, Now let us come to the point at issue, which is necessary and urgent. Gather round then, and with one accord, offer sacrifice to the gods. Justin said, No one who is right-thinking stoops from true worship to false worship. And Rusticus answers, If you do not do as you are commanded, you will be tortured without mercy. Justin said, We hope to suffer torment for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ and so be saved. For this will bring us salvation and confidence as we stand before the more terrible and universal judgment seat of our Lord and Savior. And minutes afterwards, Rusticus pronounces sentence. They're led away to be scourged and beheaded, and they give their lives for the Lord. Now that, Venerable Antares says, that's the way to say the profession of faith. When you stand together with the others and we all lift up our voice and say, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was incarnate of the Holy Spirit, became man, was crucified under Pontius Pilate, suffered, died, and was buried. He will come again in glory. I believe in the one holy Catholic apostolic church. I believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. That, Venerable Ann Terry says, is the way to say it. With our lives, as it were, on the line, aware of what we're saying, meaning it with every fiber of our being, and in the measure that God will give us grace, saying it like Justin and his companions, uh, with such firm adherence, and by God's grace with such faith that we would give our lives if we had to for it. 
Let's just imagine one of us who prays the profession of faith that way Sunday after Sunday. And that, Venerable Antares says, is the disposition of heart to ask of God when we pray the profession of faith, whenever it's prayed at a Mass at which we're present. The Creed I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father, through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. So this is the point when the gifts of bread and wine are brought to the altar and the priest, with the help of those who are serving the Mass, prepares them with appropriate prayers for the, the Eucharistic prayer which will follow and the consecration. So the affective heart to which Venerable Antari invites us at this point of the Mass is very much a priestly affect or a heart that is offering. That's the essential role of a priest, to offer sacrifice to God. And he approaches this specifically through the biblical figure of Melchizedek. Melchizedek appears in the book of Genesis, chapter 14, and he is very briefly presented, somewhat mysteriously, just suddenly appears, and he is a king who is also a priest and unexpectedly offers a sacrifice of bread and wine. And you can see how the New Testament figures immediately saw a prefiguring or a type of Christ who would be the priest who would offer himself under the species of bread and wine. And then the New Testament writers, and specifically the letter to the Hebrews, the entire seventh chapter is about this understanding the priesthood of Christ through the figure in the Old Testament of Melchizedek the priest. You are a priest forever, says Psalm 110, according to the order of Melchizedek. Because when Melchizedek is presented in the Old Testament, by contrast with the way so many figures are presented, so-and-so is the son of so-and-so and the son of so-and-so, he is simply presented 
no father, no mother is indicated, no family. He suddenly appears. The, the New Testament writers see this as a figure of Christ who has a priesthood that lasts forever. So what Venerable Anteri is inviting us to do as we watch the gifts being brought to the altar, if it's a Sunday, uh, perhaps we're joining in singing the offertory hymn, if there is an offertory hymn sung. And certainly as we're watching what's taking place on the altar, as the priest is preparing the gifts for the Eucharistic prayer, what Venerable, Venerable Anteri is inviting us to do is to exercise the priesthood that we all have. The priest at the altar, as Vatican II tells us, has the ministerial priesthood, which is his by right of the sacrament of holy orders, and so that he can stand in the place of Christ and offer the sacrifice. But through the sacrament of baptism, we all share in what the Council calls the priesthood of the faithful. We all have a sacrifice to offer to God. It's the sacrifice of our lives. It's the sacrifice of our work of our family and all the relationships which are a part of daily family living, the sacrifice of the joys and sorrows and struggles which make up our daily living. So that what we're invited to do here is, as the priest is preparing these offerings, we are preparing our own offering, like the priest Melchizedek, with with a heart that is offering bread and wine to God. The bread and wine in this case which will be transformed into the body and blood of Christ and will rise up as a pleasing offering to the Father, but not alone, accompanied by the sacrifice of each of those who is present as he or she unites his or her life with all, as I say, its sorrows and struggles and joys, unites that with the bread and wine that will become Christ and is offered to the Father. So this very simple indication through which we're invited to have the heart of the priest Melchizedek as a figure of Christ at the time of the offertory, is inviting us to make the offering of ourselves and our lives to God as we live this part of the Mass. I think here too, as we've seen uh, throughout the Mass, these very simple and specific invitations to have the heart of this or that figure, a martyr, as we say the Creed, uh, disciple as we listen to the readings, Melchizedek now in terms of the offertory, is a window into the, the profound mystery and the spiritual richness which it contains for us if we open our hearts to it and live it as the Church really intends. Father Gallagher, the image of Melchizedek too is especially given everything that we've learned about the heart, the response of Venerable Lanteri, is that Melchizedek, when he arrived at his visitation with Abraham, was a source of great comfort for Abraham. Abraham no longer felt that he was alone. There was a real sense of that communion, the action that Melchizedek, that going to him and then offering the sacrifice It brought great comfort to his visiting neighbor. And maybe that's also a a dynamic of this, isn't it, potentially, that yes, it is our sacrifice, and yes, we're offering it up, but do we appreciate how it affects those around us when we do do that? 
That's certainly very much contained in living the Mass as the Church intends it, and as we'll see, a Venerable Antari also understands the Mass. In fact, the final affect of heart to which he'll invite us as, we're, as we hear the words proclaimed, go forth, the Mass is ended, is that of an Apostle, one who is sent, precisely sent to take what we've lived and received in the Mass out to the others. Um, to share that faith with the others, and especially by the way we live, so that everything in the Mass is a gift that is received because it is a gift to be lived. In a sense, the Mass never really ends. We're just sent out to live it, to live what we've received, so that very much that is a part of what it means to really celebrate the Mass. It necessarily links us to the others. I'm thinking of that line of the um, the French writer, Catholic writer, Paul Claudel, who says that when we appear before the Lord, the Lord will have one question to ask us. Where are the others? Um, that has to always be profoundly a part of our faith and has to be a part of a Mass that is lived as the Church understands it. We will continue our conversations on the spiritual teachings of Venerable Lanteri concerning the Liturgy of the Eucharist in our next episode. You've been listening to Begin Again, the spiritual legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We pray that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we ask that you tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Begin Again. The Spiritual Legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri with Father Timothy Gallagher.